Today is February 6, 2021, and this is episode number 41 of Blurred Laws in Life with me, your host, Richard Bush. The last several weeks we have focused on the not-so-pleasant things going on politically and here in the United States with respect to the election and post-election activities, but today is a pre-Super Bowl, non-political episode of Blurred Laws in Life, and I am honored to have on the show today actor, comedian, Michael Rappaport. Michael has been in numerous movies throughout his career, including but not limited to True Romance, a Quentin Tarantino movie, Hitch, a movie starring Will Smith, Higher Learning, Metro, Copland, and the list goes on and on. He's also been in television shows such as Boston Public, Friends, Prison Break, and again, many, many more, including The Big Bang Theory as well. We will be discussing all things sports, Super Bowl, predictions, Tom Brady, film, surviving the pandemic, and much more with Michael Rappaport today. So it's my pleasure to have Michael on the show. And without further ado, let's get on with my conversation, my pre-Super Bowl 55 conversation with Michael Rappaport. It is the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and I am here with my friend, my client, my guest on Blurred Laws in Life, the great Michael Rappaport. Hi, Michael. How's it going, man? It's going good. I'm hyped up for Super Bowl Sunday. I could curse on your podcast, right, Richard? You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I'm hyped up, man. It's going to be a great game. I think that it's an iconic game because of the old... Versus the new, it's like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. It's like the old Jedi versus the the young Jedi. I saw this great meme with like the old Yoda and the baby Yoda um, mm-hmm. against each other. Who do you like? Who do you like in the game? I think I'm rooting for Tampa Bay. And historically, if anybody knows anything about my sports fanmanship, one of my greatest joys as a sports fan, was watching Tom Brady lose to my New York Giants not once but twice, two fucking times. Lucky. It, lucky doesn't mean shit lucky. in Super Bowls. Lucky, schmucky, Helmet catch. twice. Helmet we can catch. go over the details. We could go over the Eli Manning. Two fucking times Helmet we came up. Catch. Lucky, lucky. Helmet catch, David Tyree. Uh, my man Manning, all of it. That fucking throw down the sidelines from Eli Manning, that wasn't luck. That being said, we could discuss the luck or not luck until the fucking, until the sun comes up and goes down until it comes back up again <laughs> and down. The fact of the matter is, is that we broke his ass twice. We broke the Patriots' ass twice. We broke Bill Belichick's ass twice. So you say to me, why would you be rooting for uh, Tom Brady? Everybody loves Patrick Mahomes. You can't not like him. 
He's so good. He plays the game with such joy, such ease, such um, newness. You know, there's such an exotic offense to the Kansas City Chiefs. You can't not enjoy it, even if you hate the Chiefs. I don't hate the Chiefs. But after pondering this, uh, realizing uh, in, in, even before they, you know, the teams were set, after pondering uh, the idea of Mahomes versus Brady, I was like, as much as I hated Brady and hated the Belichick Patriots, at least it's my emotional life that I've had. So him leaving the evil regime of Bill Belichick, sorry, Bill Belichick. Did I say cheat? Sometimes that happens. I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> but him leaving the regime of the Patriots and the Patriot way, and because I don't really have a true dog in this fight, I'm rooting for Tom Brady because I'm rooting for the greatness. Um, it's not like I will be rooting for, like, when they played Atlanta. I was so excited watching them get the shit beaten out of them in that first half by Atlanta. And then by the end of the game, I was literally under my coffee table. I was so disoriented and, and discouraged. And at halftime, I, I remember I went on Instagram and I was, I didn't even watch Lady Gaga. Why watch Lady Gaga uh, when I was watching uh, the Patriots get destroyed? So that being said, you know, I'm rooting for the greatness. I'm rooting for the older guy versus the younger guy. But really, honestly, I won't be mad either way because I like um, both of the guys. I like both of the stories. And I really think it's fate. You know, um, if Tom Brady wins, he's already the greatest quarterback. And I say that, you know, with, with disrespect and respect. And Patrick Mahomes is on his way to being you know, one of the great quarterbacks. You know, people talk about uh, his first three seasons and they've been sick, but the thing that Tom Brady, that he has that you can't factor into a career, uh, much like LeBron, is the injuries. You know, um, he's been fortunate to just have that one uh, serious injury and it's genetics, it's good luck, it's taking care of himself and it's just... You know, it's just good fortune. Same with LeBron, you know. So hopefully Patrick Mahomes will stay healthy and his key players will stay healthy around him. And and he could have a great career like you want every quarterback or every professional athlete to have. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the spectacle of it. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the performance from uh, the weekend. I'm looking forward to some good food. Obviously, it's different because, uh, you know, there's no people around, you know, although I think Super Bowl parties are totally overrated. So, so, but my prediction is, here's my prediction, is 35 to 30, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win Super Bowl. It's 55, right? Super Bowl 55? Yes, I believe so. Super Bowl 55 and Tom Brady uh, walks away with another ring. You know what? I bet on Tampa Bay. Let me, I'm going to tell you my bets because I bet... I made some prop bets and I made some bets. I want to know what you think about these bets. But before I do, I have a different view of it. I'm rooting for Tom Brady because I've never been, you know, a Patriots fan per se, but to me he's an incredible inspiration. An inspiration not just because of his age, not just because of that, but because you know, in today's day and age we see so many professional athletes who have success, get the big money, and then fade away 
and they get distracted and they've made their money and they don't care anymore about winning and, and all of that. But this dude, he's got all the money in the world. His wife, a supermodel, has all the money in the world, could be doing anything he wants to do, but instead, year in, year out, the moment the season's over, he's preparing for the next year, and all he cares about is winning and winning the right way, and and he leads by example, and he leads these young people to follow him. And to me, you know, in today's day and age, Michael, I'd like to get your view on this. It seems to me that we hate and criticize success, that you almost have to apologize for being successful. And, you know, here you've got a guy that just cares about winning and nothing else. And to me, the fact that he's so great and he does it and he keeps doing it despite having all the money in the world, I think it's just a lesson for everyone. And and mm-hmm. he, he inspires me, to be honest. I hear you. I mean, I, yeah, I, you can't question or argue with that. He has no reason to be playing anymore except for the fact that he loves football. I mean, he's playing quarterback in the NFL. He could get the shit knocked out of him at any time. Um, But, you know, yeah, you have to respect the greatness. You have to respect the discipline, the diligence, and the consistency of of what he's doing. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm able to – I'm giving myself the time to enjoy him and root for him because as a Patriot, I will never, I could never, I would never root for anything that has to do with the New England Patriots. So, you know, like when Michael Jordan played, I hated him so much when he became a problem for the New York Knicks that it it did taint. It did taint watching and appreciating his greatness. Um, I learned my lesson because Larry Bird loved him in college he inspired me to want to be a professional basketball player. Obviously, that I didn't come close to doing that. But as a Celtic, I detested him. LeBron James, same thing. Uh, I can't stand LeBron James. So I've given myself the freedom to say, you know what? On this particular Sunday, and I love Big Mike Evans. He's my guy, a fantasy football family member. Um, on this particular Sunday, this particular Super Bowl, in a global pandemic in 2021, I am giving myself... The space to root for Tom Brady. Uh, The space that I didn't give myself uh, with Michael Jordan. I certainly didn't give it with Larry Bird. I will never give it to fucking LeBron James. Why? I just can't stand that. I mean, he's great. He's sick. I watch him, you know, without judgment um, because uh, he's so great. And you can't just, it's the same thing. It's like he's in year 18. He's the MVP of the league again. He won't win the MVP. But right now, he's the MVP of the league. He's fucking sick. But it's the theater of sports. It's like, you know, Star Wars. You root for the good guys and your bad guys. And it's all, um, we all dictate who those people are. Whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Red Sox, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the Celtics. It doesn't matter. We, you know, the Chiefs and, you know, the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Like, we all, that's just the beauty of sports. It's very, very dysfunctional. But if you're in it, that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of fantasy sports. And and that's the beauty of rooting for who you want to root for. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a great game. And like I said, I mean, it's going to be hard to stop uh, uh, my homeboy and those guys. They're tough. For me, getting back to Brady for a second, for me, and I, and it's because it's, it's kind of personal for me because there's a lot you just said that I want to comment on and I want to get your reaction to. So for me, 
I appreciate, even though I've never been a Patriots fan, I appreciate Brady because here's a dude that was picked with 199th pick in the draft, six-round draft pick, and who's wanted to show everybody he's the best from day one. And then they came up with this crock of shit deflate gate BS, which questioned that was real. Whatever. What which questioned everything he had done before. Oh, he's a cheater. Oh, he only can do it because they deflate the footballs. And yet since then, how many Super Bowls has he won? How many times has he been to the Super Bowl since then? He's shown everybody and he wants to keep showing everybody how great he is. And he wants to prove all his detractors wrong. And that's kind of how I've lived my life too. Mm -hmm. And so I mm -hmm. definitely associate with that and want him to succeed. I want him to prove everyone who's talked shit about him wrong. And so I really, you know, I associate with that. And the other thing that you said is you didn't like Larry Bird for the Celtics or Michael Jordan. I find myself after a while rooting for greatness. Like, yeah, I wasn't a Chicago Bulls fan, but when you watch the greatness of Michael Jordan, you're just like in so awe of it that you just start rooting for his greatness because it's like on a different level. You almost feel like you're um, being blessed to have the privilege to watch these people play when they're so great, mm -hmm. and you tend to start rooting for them. And that's kind of how I've become with Brady, where you almost feel privileged to be living at a time when this dude is doing the things he's doing, just like I felt like with Michael Jordan. And I grew up in the 80s watching Magic and Larry Bird play, and mm -hmm. who knew then that that was like the best era of basketball, competitive basketball, that we'd never see anything like that again. And you almost felt privileged to watch that. So you, I tend to get away from the team I'm rooting for sometimes and start kind of associating with the player and their greatness. I agree. I'm, I'm getting uh, better at that. You know, I think as you get older, you know, when you're a kid, you're just emotionally involved with your team and your players. Um, and that's what was going on with Bird and Jordan. Um, you know, and I, I loved Magic. I loved Dr. J. And, you know, I loved Isaiah Thomas. But as I get older, you're able to appreciate and just sort of cherry pick the people you you want to watch and enjoy. Um, and even like LeBron, you know, I mean, I, I mean, he's so fucking he's I don't know if he's the greatest player ever, but I would say at this point he's had the greatest career, not even close. Better than Michael years, Jordan. Better than Michael Jordan, really. As a body of work, because of the amount of years, I think Michael Jordan played eleven years. But no, he played. He, he came in the league like in '84. Because I remember he was in the Olympics in '84, right? And then he played until like '99. So he played a good 15 years. Now he, because of Boston's dominance in the mid '80s, and then Detroit in the late '80s, he didn't get to play in the championship until like '90, '91, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, the, but still. then he won six. And FYI, he would have won eight if he didn't take two years off to play baseball. He would have won eight I agree. championships in a row. I fuck with Michael Jordan way more than I fuck with LeBron James. But just in terms of the 18 years of doing this, you just can't. I mean, and then just winning the, the championship again. I mean, I'll take Michael Jordan over LeBron any day. But it ain't like, uh, you know, I'd be upset if I had Michael, uh, LeBron James. 
he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. And LeBron James is ridiculous. And Michael Jordan's ridiculous. And Kobe is ridiculous. I mean, there's there's a lot of great guys. I mean, somehow, you know, Kobe, who won five rings, he just got stepped over for some reason at a certain point by, uh, you know, LeBron James. But, I mean, you know, like, like, you know, we were saying, like, I like to sit there and watch with without much judgment and just look at the greatness, too. I've gotten better at that, so I don't get so crazy. Uh, but when it comes to fantasy football, we've watched fantasy football. That's a whole different thing. Dude, I should have won my fantasy football league this year. I'm so pissed off. I had such a good team, and then in the in the playoffs, um, my guys just didn't show up for that one week, and I lost. And I'm so disappointed yep. by that. It could be one week, one half, and they could just fucking ruin your whole year. Exactly. Um, all right, here are my bets. Tell me if you like any of these, okay? These are my bets for, for this weekend. Bucks to win, and I got three points. Under at 56. Yes, Brady will throw a fourth quarter TD. Yes, Ryan Suckup, the Bucks kicker, will kick a fourth quarter field goal. Um, I only bet this one because it pays seven to one. Yes, there will be a safety. Yes, mm. yes, Brady will throw at least one interception. And yes, both teams will combine for more than three sacks. What do you think about any of those? Oh, those are good bets. The three sacks for sure. Brady will throw at least one interception. I like that one. For sure. For sure. If it's close, you know the Bucks kicker will have a fourth quarter field goal if it's a close game, probably. That's yep. what I feel. So Brady, so the bet is will he get one fourth quarter field goal? Field goal. Yeah, will the Bucks I, Yeah, I think for sure. Brady will throw one fourth quarter TD. And yep. um I like the under at 56 because I heard it's going to be like stormy and rainy part of the day, but you know, who knows on that one? That's, oh. But I thought 56. You know, they played once before this earlier this year and they didn't yeah. score 56 points. So, anyways, those are my bets. Those are my bets. I think they're good bets. I think you're going to have a good day. I think it's going to be a good day. So, I, there might be rain during the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. What the fuck is the point of being in Tampa Bay if it's raining? Well, it's not going to be cold and snowing, but it's but you know Florida, man. There's thunderstorms and they come and go. Not all. They don't day. know how to control that shit at this point. They don't have like an on-off <laughs> switch down there. I thought they had that figured out down in Florida. Like they had like nozzles and shit. Well, being a native Floridian, I can tell you we are smart, but we have not figured that uh -huh. out yet. We have not figured that oh, out yet. Man. That was misinformation I read. I know. Well, you read it. Would you read that National Enquirer or something? I don't know. I not read Martian, it. Look it up. The Martian Look up Chronicles. Nozzles. Look up nozzles in, in Florida. You'll see a whole thing about it. All right, I'm going to Google that. Is that what they call it, Googling it? I'm going to Google it. Yeah, Google it. Google it. <laughs> All right, let me ask you. <laughs> let, let, me, let me ask you um, so Brady, we're, we're saying Brady wins and the Bucks win. We're on the same page, right? Yep, yep. All right. All right, let's turn to a few other things I wanted to talk to you about. And thank you so much for being on this, bro. I really, of really course, appreciate it. Of course, of course. So my pleasure. Let me ask you about the pandemic and its effect on you being an actor, you know, what has been the toughest part and how have you survived this time? The toughest part has been the fear, the isolation, the not being able to go where you want to go when you want to go there. Um, th those things would be at the top and then, you know, as far as like being an actor and a stand-up comedian, you know, I've had to cancel show after show after show that are, you know, traveling, um, which sucks. Things could be worse. 
um, for, you know, I'm not complaining, but, you know, this is just my perspective, you know, but that's been disappointing. You know, it's ruined a lot of, I mean, I, I say this all the time, and, I, and as an actor yourself, I think you can understand this and appreciate this, but I've said this a lot. You know, being an actor, there's always that next generation coming up to compete for the different roles. So you mm-hmm. take Broadway performers, actors, people who are vying for positions and you take two years out of the prime of their careers, there are there's a generation of young actors who might have made it, who might have got roles that changed their lives that will never come back from this and will never be what they could have been. To me, that's a huge tragedy in this, just a, a lost generation, like people that wanted to succeed in that field yeah. And now someone else will come behind them and be the right person for that role where two years earlier, this person could have had that role could have changed their life. And it's, to say it's a tragedy is kind of an understatement. It's, it's a horrific thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the theater district in New York, Broadway, I mean, I don't see how that's going to come back anytime soon. You know, um, Broadway and theater and plays and all that shit. I mean, you're stuffed in there like sardines. Uh, to begin with, you know, um, I have a friend who's a friend who uh, knows one of the uh, the owners of one of the big buildings in New York. They're trying to sell it. You know, they the theater of the, where they had Hamilton. They're trying to sell the building. I don't know how that's going to come back. You know, theater. You know, I mean, and movies and shit like that. Like, when are we going to go into a movie theater? A packed Friday night. You know, Brad Pitt, Denzel Washington, or DC Marvel movie you know, stuffed in there, waiting online to get your popcorn, to get your Twizzlers, your Red Vines, your M&Ms, your, your soda, whatever you're into, uh, to sit next to strangers, to laugh, to cough, to fucking, you know, uh, enjoy a movie. I mean, me and my wife the other day, we watched a, a movie, uh, we downloaded a movie, and we were like, okay, let's act like we're leaving the theater and we're, we're getting in our car and discussing the, the-, the movie because that's what we've done for years. I mean, you know, I don't know. How that's going to come back? I mean, you know, the movie business was in trouble before the pandemic because of, you know, the streaming and all that stuff. So, listen, people have lost their jobs. People are fucked up way worse than uh, going to the movies and all that stuff. But I'm just saying my perspective and, you know, thinking about it for me, um, you know, all those things, not being able to travel, you know, being bunkered down, you know, this the shit that everybody's dealing with. It's just, a, you know, a pain in the ass. And, and I've been, you know, very adamant to myself and you know in my little world to just you know stay uh you know safe to stay sane because you know staying physically safe is obviously the most important thing but you got to stay sane because this could fuck you up this could be demoralizing and and demoralization somebody feeling demoralized to me is is like a disease if you feel hopeless and helpless and like there's there's not going to be uh, light at the end of the tunnel. That's, um, you know, what I don't want to happen to me and that I urge, you know, people in my, in my life to stay focused, to stay, you got to stay strong mentally uh, as obviously as much as physically. So where do you come down then? That's a really good point. And so that brings me to a, the next logical question for you, which is where do you come down on this debate about closing down 
the entire economy. You know, Los Angeles has been shut down. I mean, they're just reopening it now, but but has been shut down for months and people are forced to stay at home and they they can't go to work and they being told, oh, this is for your own good and we need to stay at home and shelter at home and all this. But there's depression and there's incredible mm-hmm. isolation, like you mentioned, and mm-hmm. the damage for those people, the damage that that takes a toll on people is just as severe as if you go out, you know, it can lead to suicide and all kinds of things. And so, and economic, and when you lose your job and you're economically, you have no money and you can't pay your rent, you know, all that versus this idea, well, we've got to do it for the greater good because you're not, you, that way we don't spread it, blah, blah, blah. So where do you come down on shutting down and the toll that takes versus opening up and saying, look, we can't live like this or the toll is going to be worse? Like, where do you come down on that? I, you know, I mean, I'm obviously, I don't want to get sick, but, you know, I'll just say Los Angeles. I've been in Los Angeles for the most part during this. I, I spent about two months, maybe a month and a, maybe two months in New York. Um, but, you know, when you shut down like California, outdoor dining, the weather out here is built for outdoor dining. When you shut down restaurants, coffee places, outdoor dining, when you go, okay, we'll socially distance. It'll be outdoor dining at 50%, 75%, whatever the fuck it is. I'm like, what the fuck, man? The hypocrisy and the, the um, you know, where, where there's flea markets open. You know, where I, I drove by a flea market when they had shut down everything. I'm like, people are like out, they're outside, but they're all over each other, almost like a mini concert. That's okay, but you can't eat at a restaurant outside. And by the way, there's no scientific proof that eating outside has caused anybody to get sick that I'm aware of. Who the fuck knows what's one? And then schools are open, but they're not open. And then kids could get it, but they can't get it. And the amount of information, the amount of uh, everybody's a fucking genius, everybody's a scientist, all of a sudden, uh, everybody, everybody on every side, every forum, uh, stay inside, the don't stay inside, the vaxxers, the everybody all of a sudden is Albert Einstein. Everybody's got it all fucking figured out. But there's so much mixed messaging. There's so many uh, points of view. <sighs> you know, I think that, you know, there's got, you have to be able to open things up. People have to follow the rules within opening them up. Okay, the mask sucks. No one likes wearing the fucking mask. But when you're amongst people, put the fucking mask on thousand percent right you know it's like you know you can't have everything we're not going to get everything right now you know and with the vaccine you know i'll take the vaccine it's going to help and then okay well the brazilian strain uh doesn't help the vaccine then they people don't want to take the vaccine and it's like oh the next day oh the vaccine works the vaccine stops the brazilian strain. but there's another uh, strain coming from south africa it doesn't and like what the fuck is going on here you know it's like you're you're making people have to make these executive decisions and it's a fucking mess. It's a fucking mess. It's been handled poorly across the board. It's been politicized. And uh, with all the fucking geniuses, uh, everybody's a self-made genius, an overnight genius. It's a fucking mess. But uh, I think everybody's got to, you know, r- respect the situation, respect everybody else. And we have to get move forward, especially as we're coming to the end of winter. You know, uh, it's one thing to be cooped up, you know, if you're on the East Coast and, you know, the Midwest and, uh, you know, the cold weather. But when you get to like, you know, March, 
and shit like that, we got to figure something. We got to get this fucking thing under control because, you know, the amount of businesses that are out, you know, uh, uh, the stimulus packages, the not stimulus packages, it's a fucking mess, man. I ain't no genius. I'm just trying for me, like I said, to stay healthy and mentally, uh, you know, sharp, you know, just do what's best for me. And, and for, uh, you know, that's the only thing you can do is to protect yourself at all times and not be a hero and not be a turn everything into a political thing and all these dumb fucks that are out here doing this shit, you know? Exactly. You know, I, 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 the mask thing, you know, I don't care if you think or don't think the masks help it. The medical professionals say that they do. So wear them. No, like you said, no one wants to wear it, but you need to wear it. And I can't tell you how annoyed I get because I fly and there are people that you hear, you know, giving the flight attendants hard time about putting the mask on. And you're like, bro, then don't get on the airplane if you're not going to put the mask on. Walk. Walk. Don't wear the mask. You could walk to Chicago. Nobody wants to wear it, but and wear look it. who you're giving a hard time to. You're such a fucking asshole. You're giving a flight attendant who's trying to survive too. Talk exactly. about frontline workers. It's like they're just trying to fucking make a living and survive too. They don't need you with your fucking YouTube fucking article you read. You know, all of a sudden, you're a fucking, you, you graduated Harvard uh, Medical School. Just put the fucking mask on or get the fuck off the plane. We're trying to get to Chicago. Exactly. Okay, I'm trying to get back from Dallas. Put the fucking mask on. You're breaking this lady's balls. You're breaking this guy's balls. Put the mask on or walk. You could forest gump it to wherever the fuck you want to go to. I couldn't agree more. All right, different topic. Five best movies of all time, according to Michael Rappaport. That's a good question. The five best and movies. You most enjoyable to you, however you want to define best. Five best. I'll, I'll diversify my picks. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try to go for a, a different than my normal picks, but I'll go with Goodfellas, which is not normally one of my picks. Usually I'll go with Raging Bull, but I'm going to replace Raging Bull today. I'm going to go with Goodfellas. Okay. I'm going to go with have to go with Rocky. Um, I'm going to go with the Brazilian film, City of God. I think it's a perfect film. I'm going to go with a different pick. People are like, oh, this is an unusual pick. Silver Linings Playbook is one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years. I love that movie. It's just, there's something about it. It's so emotional. It's funny. Um, it's it's just a really great, unusual, quirky, romantic comedy bradley cooper jennifer lawrence who in my opinion will go down if they're still making movies as the greatest movie star female movie star ever wow that's a bold statement that's a bold statement but okay oh no she's gonna go she's gonna go down with that because she's got the talent she's got the looks she's got the charisma she's funny and she could do drama and then my fifth uh movie of all time Man, that's tough. I'm gonna. This is an unusual pick, but it's a great movie. Rudy is a great <laughs> fucking movie. Will make me cry every time. Great movie, underdog. Uh, you know, it's in the same uh, vein as Rocky, but it's a great fucking movie, Rudy. So this is my unusual top five of all time. It's funny that you mentioned Rudy because last week on my podcast, I was discussing the lawsuits that have been filed for defamation against um, 
Rudy Giuliani, and I started chanting <laughs> Rudy, 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 and that's uh, funny, and uh, to to mock him because he, he deserves to be mocked. And uh, yes, funny. now you mentioned Rudy. That's that's very funny and coincidental. And FYI, Michael and I did not discuss this in advance of the podcast. Okay, now now your top five though leads me to ask a question, which is Goodfellas, and just because it's the same genre. You're going to say Goodfellas is better than Godfather 1 or 2? No. I'm not going to say it's better. They're totally different. And when you asked me the question, I had to move off my normal answers. Because to be honest with you, my normal answers would be, my straight-up answers would be this. Godfather, I just put them as the same movie. Godfather 1 and 2. Okay, just th- that's before, one movie. Before you move on, before you move on, yes, it could have been one movie. It wasn't one movie. And if you gun to your head, which one is better, one or two? Two. I agree. All right, go ahead. But let's just say Godfather. My normal answer is Godfather, Saturday Night Fever, uh, Rocky, Raging Bull, and then The Shining. Those are that's usually my five. But the three that are always in there is Rocky, Raging Bull, and Saturday Night Fever. Those three are always in my top five because. Those three movies, uh, for different reasons, um, inspired me. You know, I saw them when they came out as a kid. You know, when you see uh, something as a kid, it it gets you, it grips you emotionally different than when you're an adult. So I have uh, emotional ties to those movies. But to me, just in terms of, listen, this is not a feel-good movie, uh, but Raging Bull in terms of, a top-to-bottom technical uh, performance from the actor, uh, Robert De Niro, down to every other actor, to the costumes, to the sound, to the editing, to the cinematography, to the direction, is Raging Bull. Again, this is not a feel-good movie. This is a very, very dark drama. Funny at times, through through the darkness and through how dysfunctional it is, but this is, to me perfect filmmaking in every category and it's so influential to so many filmmakers and the performance of Robert De Niro with the gaining of the weight and the learning how to box and all this as an actor this is a benchmark um it's it's almost like before the dunk and after the dunk it's like oh shit you could dunk the ball that's what Raging Bull did for acting Robert De Niro's performance is literally like a 90 degree turn. Like, oh shit. You know, like you're going totally different way with it. So is you know, that I his mean, best performance? So, is that his best performance of all time? I, I think he's he's unusual. Taxi driver, he's, Godfather. He's part reached two, he's reached it. Goodfellas. He's reached it many times. He's reached that that level many times. But in terms of the whole aspect of acting and the physicality and, and transformation. I would say that, but he's he's like, you know, a few actors have done it many times. Him, Denzel, um, you know, Al Pacino. I mean, there's some actors that have hit that, you know, Grand Slam. Meryl Streep, you know, we're talking eight, nine, ten times where they've been like fucking, you know, perfection. Like a painter, you know. Picasso don't just have one great painting. Uh, Meryl Streep, Denzel don't just have one great painting. Those Actors are like that. They've made many great paintings. Okay. Different subject now. And I I covered this on a podcast. So I did a podcast once with someone who was um, involved in the comedy field representing uh, 
com- stand-up comedians to protect their intellectual property. So I was I asked him, and then I asked others for their list of the top five comedians of all time. And so now with Michael Rappaport on this show, I feel like that's the perfect question for you. So because I, and I have mm. my own list, and I want to can I tell you my list before you tell me yours? Yeah, give it to me. That's good. Okay, my top five comedians, and I don't know that I can put this in any particular order. Um, yeah, order's and, asking too much. But I'm going to try because, and we're all a function of our generation, right? Like when yeah, we yeah, grew yeah. up, because I didn't see Lenny Bruce, for example, or, you know, Jonathan Winters was before my time, or, you know, people like Abner Costello. And all. I mean, you see video of them, but you didn't see them when they were in their prime live and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to tell you that this is kind of a function of me. Um, this is how I feel. So mine is... I'm going to go, and like I said, I'm going to put Richard Pryor at number one. I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. okay? Behind Richard Pryor, I'm going to put the following four people in really no particular order. Rodney Dangerfield. Okay. Um, and then this one, you may or may not agree with, Steve Martin, just because when I was a kid, he was like at the top of fucking his game. He was incredible, you know. Um, and then I'm going to say Chris Rock. Yeah. And that's four, right? And yeah. who will be my fifth? Who would be my fifth? All right. Hmm. I know there's somebody I'm missing, but those are my, well, I'll, I'll say those are my four. And when you give me your five, I might, let me just think about my fifth one while I listen to yours. Okay. Um, well, what, do you think I about, say, what do you think about my four, by the way, that I just mentioned? Well, I'm, I'm uh, the Rodney I love. Rodney's my guy. And he's so influential. So, Richard Pryor's, you know, could be on any everybody's list. So I'm going to just keep Richard Pryor, and then I'm going to do four other ones that you didn't name. Okay. And that's not excluding some of the people you named. So I'm going to say Richard Pryor. I'm going to say Joan Rivers. I'm going to say Eddie Murphy, Delirious. Oh, shit. That's it. That was the one. And I, and I put Eddie Murphy on mine before. So Eddie Murphy is the one that I forgot. He was on my list when I did it the last time. So Eddie Murphy is my fifth. But go ahead. And then I'm going to go with... Um, Shit, I'm talking about just people that fucking make me laugh. I have to I have to say in his prime, Andrew Dice Clay was a fucking pisser. I mean, that era of the, you know, hickory dickory duck, it's still hilarious. It's so out there. It's But is so he really fucking... on the level of the other guys, truly? No, That's... no, but in terms of he I don't think he no, he he didn't have the body of work. But I'm just we are fine. I'll replace Dice with with my guy George Carlin, who I love. Okay, love, 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 love. As a kid, I didn't love him. As I've gotten older, I love his shit. And then, in my opinion, the greatest body of work of any comedian is Dave Chappelle. Every time he gets up there, he's great, even if it's not perfect. He's gotten to the point where he does these specials and he does these shows, and the imperfections are even perfect. So those would be my five. Is, though, yeah, the thing about Chappelle, and I knew you, would, I knew you'd raise Chappelle because to me it's controversial because I've heard, I mean, everyone wants to put Chappelle up there with Ronnie Dangerfield, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Those guys made me laugh out loud. Chappelle's comedy, mm-hmm. when you know, when, when he had the Chappelle show, the comedy sketch show, it was great. That was funny. I mean, I laughed a lot at that. But when I sit down and like watch David Chappelle's stand up. I certainly don't laugh like I did like at Ronnie Dangerfield. Like that shit different was kind, funny. Though. Different kind of shit though. 
you know, but I, I that's the thing. It's it's like, you know, musicians. It's, I think it's totally different. Rodney's jokes. There's We don't know anything about Rodney Dangerfield from his comedy. Joan Rivers, we don't know anything about her. We just know the jokes. I mean, as she got older, she would, you know, she had this character that she, you know, she made about her husband, but that really wasn't the way she viewed her husband. It was a very loving relationship. Richard Pryor, we know a lot about Richard Pryor when he performs. You know, it's very personal. What about Doesn't Andy mean Kaufman? it's not as funny. A Andy Kaufman, is he on that list? He fucking funny too. He fucking funny too. But, you know, it's like, you know, his body of work is short, but he fucking funny and way the fuck out there too. Um, you know, but it was almost like you're like watching it. You might not be like laughing out loud. You might be like, what the fuck? But you're having a good time. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's also the mood you're in, the age you are, um, what you're looking for. You know, Chappelle, you know, obviously, you know, he he's almost like a social commentator, but he's still, I mean, he's fucking funny. He's fucking funny. And that's the beauty of comedy. I mean, there's so many different, it's like musicians. You know, if you want some hard rock, You'll listen to some, you know, Led Zeppelin. If you want some punk rock, you listen to this. If you want some jazz, you know, a different comedian, you know, it, it, they serve different sort of um, energies that you're looking for and that you're getting from each of these comedians. They all have different sort of tempos to them. Do you like to... See, here's a difference, I think. When I've gone to stand-up comedy places or when I'm watching a stand-up comedian, I want to laugh. I want like I want to actually laugh. A lot of the stuff that some of these people do that are great, they're thought provoking. Like David yes. Chappelle, I think he's really thought provoking. But does he sit there and make my ass laugh my ass off? His show did, the Chappelle show certainly right. did with the I'm Rick James bitch and all that stuff. <laughs> but his stand-up comedy is kind of more thought provoking and commentary. And I prefer the wild and crazy guy, Steve Martin stuff, which makes me laugh. Richard Pryor balanced both. He was funny as hell. Eddie Murphy just makes your ass laugh. I mean, his raw, his stuff. Make, and of course, you know, Chris Rock and my, the, the funniest is, you know, Roddy Dangerfield. You just laughed and laughed and laughed and you felt good. And so maybe it's just what you want out of comedy is the answer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's what you want and what and what they're giving you at the time. I mean, Cat Williams is a fucking pisser. He's fucking funny. That motherfucker is funny. A few of his specials are fucking funny. That guy is fucking funny to me. He makes me laugh uh, because he's funny uh, looking. His voice is funny. His physical comedy is hilarious. You know, he's so extreme. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's like different... Different records, you know, they're going to give you different tempos. And, and all these people that we mentioned, they all give you different tempos. Did you pattern your comedy routine after anybody? Did you watch anybody and pattern what you do after anybody? I think the only person that I would say that strikes me like that, that inspires me in terms of patterning it, would be George Carlin. And, because George Carlin isn't funny, funny, funny. He's more of a ranter. Dude, can I tell you something? I, I was at, at the end of his life, at the end of his career, I was in Vegas and I went to see him and his stuff was just all like anti-George Bush, the Iraq war. Uh -huh. And it wasn't funny, man. It was like he was just ranting and people were like almost booing. And he was like, I'm George Carlin. Oh, if you don't shit. like it, you can leave. You know, uh -huh. it, was, it was not, he wasn't even trying to be Funny, it was all uh, about 
his commentary on society. And that's why I was thinking, you know, is that what you want when you go? No, no. When you, when you but go? I like the rants. I like, I like, like rants sometimes, for me, people misconstrued rants. They think it's all about uh, negative or something I don't like. You could do a rant about, I mean, I when we were on this podcast, I did a rant about Raging Bull. You know, I've ranted on this podcast about Tom Brady. You know, uh, it, it doesn't have to be something you don't like. To me, ranting is, uh, it could be something you love. It could be, I fuck chocolate chip ice cream. Chocolate chip mint ice cream with Rocky Road. I, and I could go on a whole rant about why I love it, how I like to eat it, and, and or, you know, or a sushi dinner. So I'm definitely not in the in the Rodney Danger for Rodney's joke, joke, jokes, Joan Rivers, joke, 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 jokes. Um, I like the the ranting stuff. I mean, all those people that we mentioned, though, they all inspire me differently. Richard Pryor for how personal he makes it. Dave Chappelle for how personal he makes it. And it's also social. Uh, you know, so there's a little bit of, of, of all of something that we mentioned, you know, like Dice Clay for just not giving a flying fuck about anything. And, you know, so it's all them. But I just, for me, I find that as a comedian, I love the tightrope of the ranting uh that being said it could be about something you love it could be about your adoration it could be about something you hate it could be about something that's frustrating to you so that's why i like his style of ranting i don't like alienating audiences obviously right okay let's um you know i was going to talk to you a little bit about this crazy political world and what's happened after the election but you know what i think you and i are the same mindset on uh, in that field, and I want to just kind of keep this light. So I think I'm going to end this by talking to you about another topic that we've discussed on Blurred Laws in Life. Your producer, Miles, told me that you're a real music aficionado. And we had mm -hmm. a debate on earlier episodes when we had songwriters on about whether it's the melody or the lyrics that make mm -hmm. great songs and which is more important to music, the melody or the lyrics, what's most memorable, and what's the best part of music, and and I'd like to get your view on that. Shit, because we had a real debate about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a musician, and I've thought about that, but I will say, for me, I respond to the melody first. I respond to the beat melody first. You know, I think that's the. It's hard to separate. You know saying that's the foundation because obviously, you know, to make a great song, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what genre. Um, but that's to me what I find myself respond to is the tone. is, And I guess tone, melody, beat are all the same thing. That's, for me, what I take to first. The lyrics and all that shit, uh, I'm acting like it's like, you know, like it's like candles on a cake. It's not candles on a cake. It's It's just as important. It comes second to me. So that would be my take. But I'm not a musician, so it's hard for me to, you know, break it down. Like, I, don't, I can't break it down the way I could break down acting or even sports, uh, some sports uh, the same way. And I think that's the magic of music. Uh, but I, I would say, to me, it's I go like that beat's got to be something hitting or, or grabbing me in an emotional way. Do you have five favorite songs of all time? Michael Rapport's five favorite songs of all times? Shit. Five favorite songs of all time. I would have to go with, um, shit. I have to go with Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. That's an old one. <laughs> yeah, I got that. I mean, because that's another one that, like, 
game changing. Hotel, you know, hit motel, me at, holiday yeah. inn. <laughs> I have to go with that. I have to go with. Um, Oh man, that's a good question. I have to go with Lou Reed, take a walk on the wild side. Um, I have to go with Damn, you have fuck. an eclectic taste, man. These are very different genres. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I would go with um John Coltrane, The Love Supreme, for sure. For sure. The first song off that great classic uh John Coltrane album. Then I would go with um man. Nas, New York State of Mind, and then I'll go with the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Now, that's an eclectic list, but damn. those would be five. I mean, it's, you could go on and on and on and on. Off the top of your head, that's pretty damn amazing. That's yeah, that, those, damn are my, <laughs> those are my five. <laughs> wow. All right. Listen, I've loved having you on here. Last question for you. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? Your life on the line. Life on the line. One minute left in the game. You need Tom someone Brady. to drive from their own 20-yard line to score a touchdown. Tom Brady. 43, 47, 51 years old. I'll take the motherfucker. As long as he's, he's functioning, as long as he's walking, I'm taking Tom Brady. Over Roger Staubach. Oh, fuck Roger. Fuck Roger the Dodger. He's fuck out of here. Tom Brady over everybody. Smoking Joe, Montana, Dan Marino, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Terry Bradshaw, Kurt Warner, uh, Tom Brady. I hope it happens tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Michael, just thanks a lot for being on uh, Blurred Laws in Life. I've really loved it. I've loved your answers to the various questions. And I know, you know I loved your top five list. And I know that, you know, this pandemic, this curse will be over soon. We'll all be out doing our thing and enjoying life once again. Absolutely, Richard. Stay safe. Good luck with all the bets. And uh, next time I come on, we could talk uh, all politics. Uh, we could talk shit about whatever you want. Yeah, that'll be part two. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon, Mike. Thank you, Richard. All right, bye-bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that rollicking conversation with the one and only Michael Rappaport. I really enjoyed him being on. I really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to part two of my conversation with Michael somewhere down the road. I hope you all enjoy the Super Bowl or have enjoyed it if you listen to this after the Super Bowl. And as you heard, I'm pulling for Tom Brady. I'm pulling for the Bucks, Tampa Bay Bucks, in no small part because of Tom Brady. And I hope that... Um, at least it's an enjoyable Super Bowl for all of us to maybe provide somewhat of a distraction from everything else going on in the world. So once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Blurred Laws in Life. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blurred Laws and Life. We now have 217 followers of Blurred Laws and Life on Instagram. And I will speak to you all next week on Blurred Laws and life.